Welcome down to my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. You are listening to Bucks in the Basement. My name's Chris, and Craig here is the biggest Pirates fan you'll ever meet. Let's talk Pirates baseball now. Welcome to Bucks in the Basement. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day. What does a Pirates fan look at from this point till the end of the season? Knowing that you're not going to win anything, knowing that you're in the middle of a rebuild, knowing that the trade deadline is over, what is there to pay attention to? What is there to watch? And then after looking at the transactions over the last week, I'm like, I guess you're just trying to figure out who's going to survive the year, right? Eric Gonzalez, DFA'd? Yeah, I mean, Eric Gonzalez, DFA'd, Philip Evans, down to AAA, Dustin Fowler, released... I uh, traded JT Rivera, not that I ever really saw him getting much playing time, but that was like depth in AAA, I guess, in case something happened. But Ben Sherrington went out and got got Park, you know, promoted Castro, brought in uh, Marcano, and he's just like, okay, these are my guys at this point in time. I honestly was hoping some of these decisions would be made at this point in time. Chris, at the beginning of the year, we talked about you know, Philip Evans, when he was on his hot streak, you're asking, you're going to pick him up for the fantasy league. I'm saying, I, I just don't see this maintaining itself. You said, this is either a guy that's going to remain hot and rem- or be in the lineup or not be on the team. And you were a little bit early. You were like June or July. But guess what, man? I mean, weren't much further off because he was injured uh, for a portion of that time. So what is there to look forward to? And I, I think I just mentioned a, a few of the guys. I think... You know, looking to see what Park can do. Uh, he was tearing up, you know, AAA for the Yankees. Has done, you know, pretty well in his time, even though it's been limited here in Pittsburgh. He's getting uh, starts at shortstop uh, over Kevin Newman, who has actually, you know, he's, his numbers are never going to look good for this year. When you go into that deep of a hole, his numbers, uh, they're just not going to resurface to anything near, you know, respectable. But Kevin Newman actually has been hitting the ball fairly well over, you know, the past month. It's not ever going to be, you know, <laughs> what we really want it to be, which is, you know, staying around. If he, We said before, if he hit like 265, 270, play the defense he was playing, it's like, okay, we could see you being a piece of that. But he's kind of come back to at least some respectability. So I would want to see, you know, he's coming into his first year of arbitration here, what they're going to to do with him. I mean, that's like a decision there to see how much he plays as opposed to Park. But Park can play all over the field. So he's a guy you can plug in anywhere. Castro, I, I was actually surprised when, uh, when Anthony Alford was, was brought up and he wasn't maybe the guy to go down, maybe not this time to double A, but to possibly, you know, triple A when when those types of decisions were made. And and Chris, you're going to be like, 
absolutely shocked and baffled beyond belief with my next suggestion because Anthony Alford tore it up in AAA this year. And when I say like tore it up in AAA, I'm not talking about tore it up for like a week, tore it up for a month. Ever since he was sent back down, he play, he's played in 56 games, has 189 at-bats. Dude is batting 307, 420, 593 for a 1-0-1-3 OPS with 14 home runs. The most he's had in his minor league career. You put the two numbers together for reasons why we kind of wanted him from 2018 and 2019. He has more home runs in that period of time in in less at-bats. Where does that come from, Craig? Because here's the thing. When you look back over his entire career, all the way since rookie ball in 2012, you know, remember, he's a guy who starts in rookie ball at the age of 17. And, like, Toronto gets this guy young. That's, he starts at 17 years old in 2012, playing in a rookie ball league. But at no point in any stop had he ever had double-digit home runs anywhere. In yeah. fact, the highest OPS that he ever had was in the low 800s. Uh, he had an 823 OPS in 2013 in rookie ball. He had an 820 in 2015 in their A-plus ball, in their high A in Toronto. He was a guy that had a ton of, of, of promise. But it never was realized. Even when Toronto brought him up to give him a few little spots, they never really gave him a lot of time in the major leagues. And then the Pirates bring him up and end up DFAing him, and now they're 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 able to bring him back up onto the team. They're able to pass him through waivers, and now they've they've been able to bring him back up and give him another shot here. How does he figure that out in AAA? Where where does that come from? He's a completely different hitter. Is this a flash, or do you think this is actually real? I mean, I don't know if it's completely real because, I mean, there's a lot of players that can, can flash for, you know, certain periods of time. But for him, it seems to be... To Brian Hayes in uh, a shortened season? In a shortened season, <laughs> which we which we can definitely get to and finish up our conversation from last time, which I had to go back and listen to because I was so deep in, in rum and beer yeah. last time that yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know exactly what was said. I mean, I, I made some, some decent points during that conversation, but at other times I was just like... Man, this drunken idiot needs to shut up. But <laughs> going back to Anthony Alford, Anthony Alford, Chris, I don't know if it's going to be the John Nunnally effect again because John Nunnally seems to be like their their hitting whisperer. Uh, when they were talking about, you know, keep Ryan Hayes last year, if you want to go with that great, you know, start that he had to his major league career, was credited to, you know, some adjustments that he made but also the time he spent with John Nunnally, you know, down uh, in the alternate site last year. Whenever they are looking to fix Cole Tucker, Jared Oliver's swing, when they have some time, when, you know, the minor league season is delayed a little bit this year, who do they call upon? They call upon, you know, John Nunnally. And I don't know if it's just like he, he knows how to fix certain hitters and doesn't know how to fix other ones, which is any hitting coach. But for me, it kind of seems like it's number one setting up that, you know, Eckstein better better get his crap together and and get some guys to start hitting towards the end of this year that hadn't been hitting before. Or, I mean, maybe John Nunnally's finding his way up to the major league, uh, I wouldn't say roster, but it'd be the, the coaching staff next year. Because, man, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I Until I see it, you know, 
he he did look different. Anthony Alford did say that he changed his swing. He did say that he was approaching things differently. So, I mean, and, and the power numbers don't lie. I mean, you you can't hit that many home runs by accident. Like, it's it's not like you're playing in a bandbox. It's not like you're, you know, you're a great American small park or something for every single game. I mean, he's in, in Indianapolis, which has, you know, the regular dimensions of a of a Major League Baseball field. So, and he's not hitting any, you know, you know, like pop up, you know, home runs or anything, Chris. I mean, he's he's legitimately making hard contact with the ball. So, I mean, it's, it's something that we were lucky to be able to try to maybe see this again. I'm I'm just cautious because of you know what we saw with him last year. I think he was hitting 250 when he ran to the wall, hurt his elbow, was looking fairly decent in spring training, and then came out and became a strikeout machine. And that's the one thing that even in AAA has not really gone away. He is still striking out at a a legit like around like 33 to 35% pace. So even with those types of numbers, uh, I know his BABIP is somewhere and that's, you know, batting average on balls in play is somewhere uh, launching up into like the 460 range. So it could be some of, you know, luck within that. Uh, you don't know the type of skill of the players he's playing against with the teams he's playing against at that point in time in the season after players have been called up, you know. So, I mean, I think it's definitely worth a a shot and if the pirates keep on you know preaching this you know meritocracy of you know guys that are performing well will get a shot and, and so there's really no reason why anthony alford hasn't at some point in time earned a shot with the way you know certain players on the team have played as well as ben gamble who's been very strong for us going down um, on the IL currently, and uh, I think I heard over the weekend that it could be a longer stint uh, than previously expected. So it's it's getting that you know third to fourth outfielder in there. I, I'm I'm fine with Anthony Alford, but Chris, I told you I was going to shock you, man. As to what Anthony Alford has made me do, what did he make you do? He made me reconsider and look at Cole Tucker. Oh, you're out of your mind. What does Anthony Alford have to do with Cole Tucker? Cole Tucker is terrible. <laughs> He's not something I'm interested in anyway. What is Cole Tucker doing that you think he deserves a chance to come back up here again? Okay, so here's my thing is that I, I know we had like the Cole Tucker conversation. It was sometime in June. Once again, it was just basically like, okay, this this dude's probably, he might be done. And this is another one that's like, and it's an extremely small sample size. But... For me, if you're going to say, you know, he was down with Nunnally, he was working on something, and maybe they finally got it to stick, in the month of July, Cole Tucker slashed 293, 442, 438 for an OPS of 881, and that's continued into the few games in uh, in August where his OPS has actually gone up to about 9.01. So he's making good contact with the ball. Uh, he has uh, three home runs during that point in time, uh, getting the extra base hits, taking the walks, not like just, you know, 
waving at the ball. He had almost as many walks in July 10 as strikeouts 11. So something that like was a problem for Cole Tucker previously was just kind of, I mean, number one, not being able to drive the ball, but just not also recognizing what pitches he could potentially drive. It was like almost like he was like a cat flailing in water and anything that was like anywhere near the plate, he would kind of just stick the bat out and try to do something with. So maybe he's shown a little bit more patience to the plate. And with all the decisions coming up with the 40 man, Chris, this is one where I think I would almost have to say, just like I was, I was hoping for, you know, I think it was, I think it might've been in 2019 when he was sent back down and Eric Gonzalez came back from injury. And even though Eric Gonzalez had a couple good months, I was just basically said, I, I would still like to see Cole Tucker get more bats because we know what Eric Gonzalez is. And now what we know what Eric Gonzalez is, is a DFA player. And before Cole Tucker becomes the same thing or becomes a guy who's, you know, taken off the 40 man, I, I honestly just want to see just a couple, couple more months here. And I guess it would be at this point in time, a little bit over a month and a half of Cole Tucker and if the same thing happens, okay, take him off the 40, man. But where are you playing him? Where are you playing him if you bring him up? Because he's got to have every day at bat. So where are you putting him? I think at, at this point in time, with, with the versatility that, that Park has shown, uh, with the versatility you have in Defoe, uh, I know it's probably going to be a very unpopular opinion. And it's actually even an unpopular opinion in my own head. Which would be to... You're having arguments with yourself in your own head now? At, at some points in time, because everybody knows how much I love Rodolfo Castro, I would almost put Rodolfo Castro down in AAA and just flip-flop him with Cole Tucker. They're both on the 40-man. It would just be an act, active roster switch. And believe me, I, I believe that Rodolfo Castro, in my mind, has a better chance of being a part of the future. But I just don't... I don't want to make that mistake. And as much as I've picked on Cole Tucker and made, you know, bets with him that he probably doesn't even listen to listen to about me punch him punching me in the face if he bats over 300. But honestly, like this is this is the type of guy that would be rejuvenating to to an otherwise kind of like decimated uh like locker room at this point in time. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you move on from Kevin Newman then? I mean, how long do you wait on him? How long do you wait on a guy that he? The last time he was good was in 2019. Uh, he has a terrible year in the shortened season, but this year now he's gone out there and his OPS plus is at 47. 47. He's got a 540 OPS. He can't hit. If you're really going, if you're really going to give T- Cole Tucker a shot. I, I, what good is Kevin Newman doing? Because you know what? Your boy Castro is at least right there at the line for being average as a, as a, like the, the major league average OPS that's slugging plus on base percentage. The average is an OPS plus of 100. That's how it works out. Actually, OPS is down slightly in major league baseball over what it had been in the uh, last couple of years, which is one of the reasons why they tried to tamper with the pitchers earlier on in the season was to fix that. But OPS Plus compares you to everybody in Major League Baseball. Castro's at 99. Like, he's actually right there. He, he's a guy He's a guy who's actually shown something in the small amount of time that he's been here. Newman sucks. Newman sucked last year. Newman sucks this year. 
The, the point I guess I'm making is, and, and, and let's just expand this outside of the conversation of just Tucker and who you would move around. When do you, in the middle of this rebuild, say, we're going to go in another direction at this position? Can you do it too much? The, uh, the best guy gets to play where you're actually getting rid of guys and they don't get a chance to kind of turn their career around. Do you not have time for that? Cause if you don't have time for that, then Newman goodbye. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that Newman, like what he does is he just holds on and shows just enough in spurts that they're just like, man, why can't his 2019 come back? It's not, I don't know if it's coming back though. Like, like I, I don't think it's ever coming old. back to that level. Your, your prime in Major League Baseball used to be like 27, 28. But a lot of guys really start developing now even younger. If a guy is 28 years old and his 27 and 28 year are worse than his 26, I don't know if he's coming back. I don't know if you have time to wait for him. By the time he finally figures the whole thing out, what is he in? His 30s? And then like with a young team like this and you're building a core? I don't know, man. I, I think that like... Look, there's only about a month and a half left to go here, a little over a month and a half left to go in the season. And you you could always sit there and say, this guy stays down in AAA like a guy like Cole Tucker, and we we feel like we're going to keep him on the 40-man because if Newman fails, he'll be the guy that will will make space when we need to. We'll keep Tucker around. We'll give him an opportunity over the, over the winter to keep working on what he's working on, then he can get a fresh start in 2022. Whatever you're going to do here, but it, that, I think, is really the story of what you're looking at right now with the Pirates. It, there there might be an end coming for some players that you had hoped for maybe just a couple of years ago. Because at some point, some of these guys got to go. I mean, he got a whole season up here. What has he done with it? He's a 0.2 B-war. He's, he's a replacement-level player at best. You could take pretty much any AAA player, plug him into Kevin Newman's spot, get the same result. And when you have young talent that you're trying to see whether or not they can actually be a good, solid contributor on your Major League Baseball team, he should be blocking nobody at this point. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's a possibility, Chris. And I, I think part of it is just that 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 fan part of me holding on because uh, he is just, I don't know, just a he's a likable, gritty ball player. And I think he he falls into the the Adam Frazier category. And I know Adam Frazier had his like breakout season, you know, this year and is, you know, off doing his, his things in San Diego now. So I just felt like he was just a guy that just could never figure it out and could never turn the corner. Uh, And these last two years have just been disastrous. But what I was saying before is I feel like he, he starts to show, and I guess it'll be shown uh, like you're talking about here in, in August and September in, in August, once again, huge small sample size. He is the highest OPS plus of the season for the month uh, of 83, which still is, you know, that 17% or 17 points, you know, below average. Uh, but it's it's come up uh, progressively, you know, throughout the year. So I just feel like that I would, I wouldn't say that I wouldn't mind him being, you know, non-tendered. And I think that'll be a conversation that we'll be having, you know, <laughs> pretty much pretty soon as the uh, the season the season ends. We'll be having that up until you know th- that beautiful Arb Day where you know everybody, you know, either gets tendered or non tendered. But uh, I we'll see what he does for the for the next little bit uh, with Castro. I th- I think they know what they have. And 
But that's the other part, as you're saying, Chris. If it's if it's this merit meritocracy thing, it's like how can you send a guy down who's playing better than you know a lot of the other people at that position? It, it's kind of hard to say, and that that would be the same thing for you know a guy we mentioned last show in in Gregory Polanco. It's like okay, Polanco's actually you know played pretty well since coming back from injury, but but in the end, like what does that really do for anything? It, it I mean, you're gonna pay the rest of his contract anyway. And I'm not saying, I don't even know if you have to DFA him, but is there another way that you could get more of these guys into the lineup to see what you have and just use Gregory Polanco in like a pinch hit situation? Like, I, I don't know. Like, I just, I that, feel that's like. That's another guy. That's another guy I wouldn't be playing very much down the line here. It's not like he's contributing to the everyday result for your team. I mean, Gregory Polanco right now, and I know there's some Polanco fans out there. His OPS plus is at 74. Okay, he's hitting 203. He, he he's definitely not a guy that you want to keep around any longer on this team. If there's if there's a guy you want to take a look at, I think in the next month and a half, that guy deserves a shot to be looked at over the likes of guys like Polanco and Newman. For certain. You have nothing to play for for the rest of the year. You have guys that have been given the four months of a six-month season. This is what they are. You, they're not going to benefit you in the future. If you have somebody that you're ready to bring up, bring them up. But you can't just bring up everybody just because, ah, this guy's young. I want to bring him up. I don't know what the track is. I don't know if the idea is, hey, we got to see what goes on with Cole Tucker here for the next month. He's not ready. We're not rushing him up until we're sure, until we're 100%. I have no idea what the inner workings are here. But nobody should be held back from getting a spot in the outfield and playing every day because of Gregory Polanco. And nobody should be held back from going out and playing in the infield at second or short, wherever you're moving Newman back and forth. I know he's basically played short this year, but he can play middle infield. He should never block anybody either. You know, I get muscle aches all the time. I've gone from being able to do whatever I want to and not feeling any pain to basically getting pain for any kind of physical activity. Good news, there's a local family-owned Southside business that provides a CBD topical that will not break the bank. Creaky Bone Balm offers concentrated relief for creaky bones. It is an effective hemp-based CBD in a rejuvenating balm. And guess what? It's made in small batches, always free of preservatives, and all natural ingredients. It's great for muscle aches, tension, inflammation, joint pain. You can even use it for skin ailments like burns and dry cracked skin. Right now, go to creakybone.com and use the promo code BASEMENT. Get 20% off your order. Whether it's physical activity or off-season stress, Creaky Bone's going to help you out. Use that promo code BASEMENT, 20% off your order, right now at creakybone.com. A guy that needs to play every day because he needs to work out what's going on, and he has a lot of development still ahead of him, though, is is Cabrian Hayes, right? I mean, I know everybody, I know everybody thought he was going to be a superstar because of a very small sample size, and he looks great. He really did. He looked incredible. But in the end, that that year last year, what did he do? He had he had a 24 games and 95 plate appearances. There's a lot of guys in Major League Baseball that go on tears over that small amount of time, but that isn't what they are. Now, the good news is he's just sitting a little bit below 100 for his OPS plus. If he's having a sophomore slump, he's not terrible. He's, he's, he's virtually average with the average player in Major League Baseball at the age of 24. So I think there's still a lot of hope for the guy to improve. I, I don't think that his story's written, 
I just think that he got off to a hot start in a very short season and now is back and some teams might have some tape on him and know how to approach him. Plus, he had the injury that he dealt with. I think people are being a little bit too hard on him. Yeah, I think to I think to a certain degree, because I mean, I know that that they've come out and they've compared like his wrist injury to like a handmade injury that other people have dealt with. That even though they're like a hundred percent, their swing may not be back completely, and it definitely has to do with you know how how they're attacking him. Uh, Gary, he does a, a five thoughts at five every every Monday for the Pirates, and one of his focuses was keep Ryan Hayes. And it looks like that down and away, he's getting pitched 21.4% of the time and is batting 125 with those pitches. Uh, basically, they found, okay, let's let's pitch Key Brian down over here, and he can't lay off of him, and he can't hit him that well either. So, I mean, I think that at some point in time, Brian's like a good enough player that he could probably, you know, even some of that out a little bit. Um, I think that what what I was thinking of, Chris, as well, when we were talking last week when I went back and listened to it, was, you know, talking about, you know, the player that Cabrian Hayes was in the minors versus, you know, what he was, what he was against uh, some of the players um, that you had mentioned. And one of the guys uh, that you brought up, you know, same position, is a player in uh, Yuan Moncada. So Moncada hit better in the minors than than Brian Hayes. Like he and I know it was, you know, for him a pretty small sample size cuz he kind of flew, you know, through the minor league system. And then even Moncada this year has kind of come back down to earth as having a bad year. I know he uh I think he got covid at the beginning of last year and then Listen, he's healthy this year. That guy made himself a music video in the offseason and wears 45 gold chains now. Like, he's like something out of like a like a baseball movie where it's like the guy who did really well came back and he's like a movie star now and he's not paying as much of attention to baseball as he should. That's what I get from him when I, t- when I take a look at that guy. <laughs> okay, so, so I don't know if that's a fair comparison because Cabrian Hayes isn't doing that, but I get what you're saying here. Look, Yoan Moncada had a very good... Uh, run in the minor leagues. He was the number one overall uh, prospect on MLB Pipeline before he was elevated at the beginning of their rebuild. Uh, you know, Jose Altuve was another guy that was in the Astros rebuild that came up and struggled a little bit. I, I, Cabrian Hayes has not shown me that he's a poor hitter. On the no. other hand, on the other hand, he he basically had an OPS plus in the mid 700s at every level that he was at. That doesn't mean that he can't improve and be a better hitter. But but the thing is, is that I, people are expecting him all of a sudden to come up here and be all world, otherworldly. That that was that was an anomaly in 2020 if you compared it to his minor league stats. I still think that he is a a starting a starting third baseman in Major League Baseball and can be a starting third baseman on a good baseball team. Is he the linchpin that sits in the middle of your lineup? and leads your lineup and is like, you know, middle of the order when you go out and win a World Series. I think that remains to be seen. I mean, even Moncada, who you brought up, continues to drop down the batting order. I think he's like in the sixth or seventh spot regularly right now for the White Sox because they got so many good players from their rebuild after Moncada, who ended up being better. And El Tuve is not a middle-of-the-order guy either, really. 
Okay, I mean, he's had some great seasons, but just because these early guys in a rebuild show up and they're good, be happy that they're good, but there's going to be there's going to be other guys that are going to show up you haven't even thought of. Or maybe they're in the minor leagues and you're flipping through it and you don't even realize that's going to be the guy that's going to come up and be the big guy in the middle of your order that everybody's going to go out and buy their jersey. It might not be Cabrian Hayes in a year or two. Yeah, and that was just kind of more of my point, Chris, is that, you know, Moncada this year, batting 253, OPS, you know, middle middle 700s, like 760, nine home runs. He's right now in fan graphs is, is around, like, I believe, like a three-war player on pace to be, like, in the fours. So for Cabrian Hayes, like, if you extrapolated out his his numbers or whatever it would be to, I don't know the exact terminology, to for if he would have played a full season this year and not been injured and was performing the way he was performing this year. According to baseball reference, he's about at a 1.5 war right now. If you put that out over 162 games, then he would have somewhere around like a 4.1 war. That's really good. If you put his fan graphs, which is like at a at 0.9 right now, and you put that out if he played 162 games, it's like a two point set, you know, two, I think it's 2.5, 2.7 war player. That's like not what any of this was ever about. Like, cause I know that some people were just like, well, Cabrian Hayes is still going to be a starter. I, no, he is. And he should start every single day. But I think that, like I said before, just temper the expectations that he could be like the three to four war player as opposed to the seven to eight war player. The guy on this team right now that is the best hitter on your team, who I believe in the most out of anybody else on this team is Brian Reynolds. Brian Hayes does not have the track record of Brian Reynolds. Brian Reynolds, age 21, 22, 23, and the beginning of his age 24 year in 2019, races through the minor leagues, and his OPS is nearly 100 points greater every single stop 100 points greater than what Cabrian Hayes did at those stops. There's a guy with a track record in the minor league. There's a guy who had an OPS in the 1100s in AAA before they brought him up and then, you know, did what he was doing in the minors. He, he was in the in the mid to high 880s OPS in his first year, comes in fourth for a rookie of the year, has an OPS plus of 129, and then slumps in the shortened season. I believe in the 2019 numbers for players and the long track records for players. And I, I believe that before the season started, you can go back and you can listen to previous episodes of bucks in the basement. I believed in those more than the, the, the small sample size of a, a shortened season in the middle of a pandemic when there were other things going on that these ball players were dealing with Brian Reynolds, his track record came back to, to the tune of a guy who was currently sitting with a 923 OPS and a 148 OPS plus. That's real. See, that's real what he has right there. That's something like Cabrian Hayes may never be that consistent as what Brian Reynolds has been, with the exception of a very, very short stint where we know he was going through an awful lot, even off the diamond. And we talked about it on this show. But when you take all that out, that's a consistent hitter that hits at a higher level since he started in, in the minor leagues all the way through now than what Cabrian Hayes has done. Cabrian Hayes' shortened season might be the anomaly, just like just like Brian Reynolds' was. It doesn't mean Cabrian Hayes isn't going to be a good player. Your your superstar right now on this team is Brian Reynolds. Yeah, and I mean he's he's the best player on the team right now, and he's the guy that I mean, obviously at the end of everything now is hashtag extend Reynolds, and 
I mean, that's that's where it's at. He, he, here's the thing. If you're not willing to pay your guy who's 26 years old, your all-star, your guy that now has shown this consistent ability to go out and hit and play defense and be a rock in your lineup, if you don't want a guy like this, what are you rebuilding for? Right? Like What, what, are, you, what are you rebuilding for at this point? This is a guy that you got to keep around. This is an anchor. This is your this is your guy on your roster that when the young guys get here, he's really good and he's really experienced and he's kind of like the elder statesman in your in your dugout, who who went through the lean years and now is sitting there telling everybody, "Let's go." I had a I had a really bad six seven eight years here, but I'm ready now. Let's go. We got our team. We're ready to go in a couple of years. That's that's who he is. You you, you got to keep that guy. Brian Hayes will be there too. I think I really do. I just don't think he's the guy you saw in the shortened season. He might have streaks like that, but I don't think that's what he is on a yearly basis. Yeah, he's a good ball player. Solid ball player, starting third baseman, but he's going to be like the guy that that contributes. He's not going to be the guy that puts you over the top. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day. 